Welcome back to Blockstream Talk. Today we're speaking with Rusty Russell about the Lightning Network. Rusty is one of my favorite guys to talk to and we had a lot of fun in this conversation. We covered a lot of ground, including my recent trip to El Salvador and some general observations about how the Lightning Network is being used on the ground in San Salvador. We also covered updates on Greenlight and GreenWallet's recent Lightning integration. As always, if you found the conversation useful, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Rusty, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be back on. Is this number two or number three? I think it's number two. Is it number three? I, wow. Okay. Uh, you put the spot there. Uh, it's at least two. Um, I, I, I get the feeling it should be three. Is it? it, it, it you know, we should do these more regularly for now. If it's not already up to three, anyway. Yeah, definitely. So I think you know we covered your background and all of that in the previous podcast, but I think maybe just for anyone who might be new, we might want to go through that again. So can you share a bit about your background and what your role is at uh, Blockstream? Sure. Um, I'm an open source developer for the last like 25 years. Um, that's been like my full time gig. Uh, people keep paying me to write code that I give away, which is kind of, you know, at the time I started was, you would not have convinced me that that was going to happen. But, um, you know, uh, basically at the end of the day, people, people want the tech, right? And so, um, you know, about uh, eight, almost nine years ago now, I, uh, um, I joined Blockstream. Um, and part of that was, was basically to work on Lightning, which at the time didn't exist. It was, it was a paper, uh, no one was really going to implement it. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. Well, this seems like a cool thing to do. Um, let's, let's go and try to, try to make an implementation. Um, and that fed through into the spec process and, you know, um, and everything that, that has happened since then. So that's kind of my background. I've always been an open source coder. Uh, and I guess, and I am the, I think the most, the most senior or like longest, longest serving Blockstream engineer at the company. Uh, so I guess that's my other, other claim to fame. Very, very nice. So you mentioned the, the, the implementations for Lightning. So how do you, there's multiple implementations. So maybe you could run us through quickly what the main implementations are. And then how do you guys work together developing Lightning Network across all of those implementations? Right. Okay. So there's sort of four main ones. Um, there's um, Lightning Labs have LND. There's uh, uh, Async have Eclair and Phoenix, uh, their mobile wallet. Um, we have Core Lightning. Of course, uh, from Blockstream, and there is um, uh, LDK from what used to be called Square Crypto, is now called Spiral. Uh, those people, um, and that's more, but that's more of a kind of a, a construction set of pieces. Uh, so it's kind of a different approach there. Uh, each of them in a completely different programming language. So there's kind of something for everyone in there. Um, but the way it works is there's a there's a spec that basically we're, we follow, uh, and that's kind of a negotiated spec on kind of what we think we should do, how we should add features and things like that. It's pretty carefully designed so that we can make progress, so that we can uh, add new features, make them optional, things like that so people can kind of experiment but also we can go cool okay we want to migrate uh we found a better way of doing it you know uh we want to migrate the network across let's do it in stages so the result is a pretty smooth experience for users and uh, sort of a continuous continuous improvement uh, both in implementations and in the specs that they follow so it's you know we have bi-weekly meetings um and every so often every 12, 18 months, there's like a face-to-face -face gathering somewhere of all the uh, contributors from all the teams, and we kind of get together and hash things out, and that's always a, a pile of fun um, to, to just, you know, to kind of geek out over the details on these things um, that, that users won't really care about, but it's really important to get right um, when 
when your real money's on the line. Which users do care about. It's, they do care about. It. That's right. They care about when it doesn't work, right? <laughs> That's right. And fun fact about Eclair, I just learned from you that Eclair actually means lightning in French. That's right. So apparently the, the, the Eclair pastry kind of that people think of is basically because that's that kind of whipped cream is supposed to look like a lightning bolt, apparently. So I'm, I'm a Western Canadian, so I know no French, but I do speak <laughs> Chinese. <laughs> okay. Perfect. That's right. So as the leading contributor to the open source core lightning implementation, can you share some thoughts on your development philosophy? For, for me, robustness is incredibly important. Um, you're trying to add new features, but at the same time, you're trying to continually keep ahead of the changes that involves, you know, redoing your internals, trying to keep everything kind of tight. Um, and that's all, that's, that's a trade-off that takes like user experience. Um, sometimes you just have to stop everything and kind of rework something because over time things have built up and changed and you're like, okay, this is no longer fit for purpose. We need to redo this. And that's always a bit of a juggle. Um, I feel that, you know, um, the job of an experienced engineer is to be the people who break things, right? You're the ones who have to go and go, right? Okay, no, this has all got to be redone, right? Um, whereas that's that's classic uh, classic way to target yourself if you're not a senior dev. So that's generally the way I work. Um, I'm very open, very collaborative. That's that's been most of my career in open source. So you know, uh, a bunch of people poking at stuff. You can follow along all the gory details on GitHub. We also have a community call every second week on the alternate weeks when the spec call isn't pretty much um we have the core lightning community call um and people can drop in there and and talk about what they're working on and and, and things like that and that's that's always a, a great to see move fast and break things is not an appropriate philosophy for financial technology <laughs> no so that's this is this is very much uh you know you've, it's it's got to work first and foremost um you know we have for example uh when we deprecate something in core lightning um we have traditionally given two full releases. We have release every three months. So, you know, you'll get six months before it actually gets removed. You get a, a warning. We're actually backing off on that and making it even even slower. The next release or the release after we will have a new deprecation mechanism. So basically, we'll introduce the new thing. We won't deprecate the old thing. We will give two releases, then we'll deprecate the old thing, and then you'll get two more releases. And then you get one release where you can basically go, no, no, I still really need this, and you'll still be able to enable it manually. Um, as a bit of a shot across the bow, kind of it is going away in the next release. But you know, if you really need it, you can you can enable it for one one last time. Um, but generally, we just try not to churn too much. Um, but inevitably, you know, there are changes in the way the network works, and you're like, well, okay, this is no longer really suitable, and so you do have to to make changes. But we try very hard. We're backwards compatible since our 0.6 release, which is, gosh, I don't even know. Uh, these days we use date-based releases, so you can tell uh, you know, the age of a release just by looking at the number. Um, but yeah, we've, we've maintained compatibility since then. Uh, if you were running a node then, as I was, uh, you can upgrade all the way to today uh, without a hitch. Is that maybe one of the key challenges for Core Lightning development, maintaining that robustness and and, and making progress at the same time? Absolutely. So there's a disproportionate of work that goes on behind the scenes to uh, ensure backwards compatibility, to make sure that we are, um, that, that, that nodes migrate smoothly uh, between releases and that, you know, that everything's fit for purpose, that we, we you know, we rework things that maybe we, we took a shortcut in the first place because that was fine. You know, fees go up or something like that. We need to get more robust. Um, there's a lot of really good feedback too from the spec process because you're talking with other people who are implementing completely independently. And they'll go, hey, did you have this problem? And you go, oh yeah, okay, here's how I solved it. They go, yeah, but here's a problem with that. You know, so there's a lot of really good interaction between the teams uh, because, you know, you're, you're the handful of people in the world who are actually down in the, you know, uh, the bowels of this thing, trying to, trying to you know, make it all work. Um, 
And that's actually incredibly helpful too. Plus, you know, we generally the other teams give really good bug reports. If there's a problem between two implementations, uh, having someone on the other side who can actually tell exactly what's happening is is incredibly useful. And I get, you know, I love those bug reports because they usually like we do this, 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 and you do this, and that's wrong, and here's the problem. Um, and then sometimes we debate. We're like, the spec says this, and we should do this. But you know, um, and a lot of times, um, that that's fantastic feedback, you know, uh, to get. So yeah, uh, everyone's really really careful to make sure that things keep working and that, you know, it's, it's a smooth experience and we only add things afterwards. Now, that said, part of the balance, right? As you said, like you kind of, people want new features, but also they want incredible stability. They never want anything to change except the things they want to change. Um, so we have a series of experimental features. Uh, this used to be, you had to use, it used to be that you had to do an experimental build. Now you can turn them on individually uh, at runtime. You can go, cool, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to test, you know, the experimental implementation of anchors or channel upgrade or whatever else goes in. Now that's a much more, you know, if it breaks, you get to keep two pieces, both pieces kind of deal. Um, obviously, you know, we, we try to be robust with those, but we don't guarantee backwards compatibility. Um, and it's, it's an opportunity for us to test. So that, that lets us kind of split the difference sometimes. Uh, if there's some work on the spec and we've got some, you know, experimental spec changes we want, we can turn that on in a limited way uh, and see how that goes. So, you know, we do that quite regularly. And, and users who, who have the taste for that can can turn those on and and, and you know uh, and spend sash their heart's content. Yeah. So so some of those experimental features would you characterize those as some of the kind of achievements of the last maybe twelve or eighteen months or? Absolutely right. Um, you know th they tend to go. Sometimes they're just internal things, but generally they tend to be protocol changes, spec improvements that have been proposed that we want to test out in the wild, and that's how we do it. We we. Enable experimental options so people can turn it on and, and play with it. I tend to turn all the things on on my node. Um, just why not? Um, but for other people, you know, they can they can choose their own. They can they can choose their own risk appetite uh, for how that's working, uh, and that that generally works really really well. Last time you were on, we talked about lightning adoption. I think you probably have to be pretty happy about the general trend of adoption. I mean, we've had a lot of price volatility over the last couple of years, obviously, but it's just been up and to the right in terms of adoption. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. Look, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a slow grind, right? Um, it, it gets better, more users come on. Um, we, hit, we hit new and fun problems. You know, we improve things, more users come on. We go round and round and round again. Um, you know, that's, that's great to see. Um, it's fantastic, this adoption. You know, seeing people using it simply because they need, you know, they, they need it as a solution, right? Rather than, you know, initially it was kind of a novelty thing, kind of, oh, this will be cool one day. Uh, we're really getting to the point where people are using it because it's, it's, it's a requirement. So that's, that's fantastic to see. And, you know, uh, I see no reason why that, that won't continue uh, at some point, perhaps even, you know, hockey stick, up, stick upwards, which will be a little bit, you know, you're never quite ready for, <laughs> for that, but, you know, we're as ready as we can be. I, I was in El Salvador recently for adopting Bitcoin, and I don't normally use Lightning very often. So I, you know, find a wallet, go in there, and put a couple hundred bucks on it, and then and then mess around with it, buy everything that I can. Um, uh, got a bunch of T-shirts that don't fit. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for shirts for the kids, and they're like, "Oh, my wife's like, why are you buying like adult shirts for children?" But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, in, in ten years, they'll have a lot of Bitcoin shirts. Um, Perfect. So <laughs> it's kind of plan ahead, right? Low yeah. time preference, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, when I was looking for a wallet, you know, I, I wasn't really sure what would be the best wallet. Um, you know, I thought of, of green right away. So is there, can you give us any lightning updates on, on, on green? Green is uh, Blockstream's kind of you know, sleeper wallet. We've had uh, a Bitcoin wallet since forever. We actually bought 
the company behind Green back in, well, years and years ago now, like really in the early days of Blockstream, because we really loved the way they were doing it. So that Green is a non-custodial wallet, right? So um, they control one one key, but you, you know, there that that times out degrades to like your single control. So it gives you the the best of both worlds, right? They can do two-factor authentication for thresholds, all those kind of things that you want. Um, but at the end of the day, there's no custody of funds. They don't have any control of your funds. They can't stop them except for like a limited period of time. Um, and that, that we really wanted to take that model and apply it to Lightning, right? Because we don't want to look after, you know, we, we don't want to have your Bitcoin. Thank you. So um, we spent a long time trying to think about how to do this to the standards that, that we want. And the answer to us was Greenlight, the where we host the infrastructure, but the keys and the control stay with the user, right? Um, and so that way, uh, one of the obvious things to do then was integrate that into Green, which has the same philosophy and also, hey, a modern wallet, you really want your on-chain funds and your Lightning wallet together. Um, and so that that culminated, you know, we had to develop Greenlight, Christian Decker uh, did a fantastic job kind of building that tech out and, and making that robust. And then, you know, the final step was to attach Green. Uh, so you can download Green, turn on Lightning, and you're actually, we're actually hosting a node for you uh, that, um, but you're still holding the keys. So we're just doing, you know, uh, all the all the maintenance and things for you and upgrading you. Um, and, and you are in control, in control of your funds at all times. So, yeah, um, look, th that is a fantastic um, wallet option that I expect to only keep getting better. Is that live now? Yeah, it's live now. Um, you just need to, I think you need to still need to go in and turn it on. Um, I'm on uh, on Android, but, you know, uh, that's, it's it's there, right? There's no no wait no waiting anymore, no no downloading beta and stuff. It's 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 in by default. So okay, great. That's very cool. Um, another thing that I bought with Lightning was I met um, Miss Universe El Salvador, and she said, um, "Would you like to buy face cream?" And I just I found it a, a bit odd that she would you know come up to me in Austin. <laughs> Do I need face cream? So I did buy um, CBD uh, face moisturizer from um, Miss Universe El Salvador with uh, with Lightning. So you are looking yeah. very fresh. That's, you know, hey, uh. <laughs> well, I gave I gave it to the wife. So she's like, "What's this?" Hey. Anyway, um, and and see that that I think is really interesting because of the ability to um, so this is one of orders one of my arguments with Lightning is that it's a very symmetrical network, right? Uh, people think of credit cards and things like that, which are very asymmetrical network, right? Anyone can, um, you know, anyone who has a credit card can use it to pay, but um, most of us can't accept credit cards very easily, right? There's a whole infrastructure and there's, there's whole companies built on the making it easier to accept credit cards. Lightning doesn't have that problem, right? If you can, it, it, it's, if you're on the Lightning network, you can receive payments almost more easily than you can send them. So, um, so there's a whole undiscovered kind of uh, niche of, of users there who, uh, who who can go do that. And I think that that's part of the cool thing is that they don't have to ask anyone's permission. They just start using it and it just works. Yeah. And what do you think about these NFC cards? I think those are kind of cool too. Like NACA, there's a couple of companies that has those, have those and they were you know selling them in El Salvador and people were using them for coffee and stuff like that. I think that's kind of a neat thing because you don't have to pull out your phone, right? You've just got a card, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I look forward to, you know, this is the kind of thing that when you've got an open standard and you've got an open spec and you started implementing it, people get excited about it. They go off and they do these wild things that maybe you didn't think of or you didn't have the, the other, they've got experience in one area and they're like, hey, we could we can combine these two. Um, and that stuff is always fantastic to watch. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, since your last appearance on, on the podcast, are you seeing a difference in, in the way that people are using a Lightning Network at all? 
you know, as adoption grows, are people using it differently? Yeah, I, I mean, we're seeing a more professional kind of, uh, you know, uh, we're kind of doing that slow migration. It's not, it's not like chalk and cheese, but there's very much the hobbyist end, and then there's like kind of more the professional end. Um, inevitably, mainstream adoption means you end up with more, more of the professional end and less of the hobbyist end. But both of them, both of them are growing. Um, just the mix is, you know, is definitely evolving towards, you know, you know. Lighting is my business, right? Kind of thing, rather than just, hey, I'm running it because it's cool, um, or you know, hey, I, I wanted to, I wanted my face cream in El Salvador, so I installed a lightning wallet, right? There's, there's more, you know, uh, we are seeing more kind of like industrial adoption and, and driving things in that way, which you know is is, is fantastic that those users um, discover. I love those users because one, 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 they they they're really invested, right? So they give, they tend to be like, you know. Um, they, they give you really good bug reports if something goes wrong. Um, they give really good fair feedback on, you know, hey, this, this, I really like this, I don't like this, and things like that. Um, but also, they tend to hit scale problems first, right? So they tend to be, hey, we've got a node, it's got like, you know, 10,000 channels, and, and here's our problems um, that most of us, you know, won't see in the short term, at least. So, well, one of the things that I noticed was different is I remember a couple of years ago, there was a top end on lightning payments. I think it was, was it $400 or a couple hundred dollars, right? Right. So um, we had um, we had a restriction in the early days, like kind of training wheels on the Lightning Network, where you could only have, uh, there were two actually two restrictions. One is a 32-bit uh, number, the amount of, of millisats you could send, which at the time we started Lightning Network was about 10 bucks, and now it's like a lot more than that. But, um, you know, uh, and there was also a maximum total channel size that you could have, which was a different number. Um, so um, the the so-called Wombo option, uh, which basically uh, turns both these off, is interestingly finally the default now in the upcoming Core Lightning release. So one of the things that we we finally kind of took it off. You, you had an option to turn it on for a long time, but now that option doesn't does nothing. It's on by default. Um, in fact, there is a dev option to turn it off, but generally you can't turn it off uh, because if you have the funds, you can you can just spend them. That's that has become pretty uh, ubiquitous throughout the network. And but it only really makes different, you know, it makes sense these days if you're doing reasonably large transfers. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, I saw a bunch of people paying for bigger ticket items, like, you know, like expensive dinners. And and then on the platform formerly known as Twitter, I saw a guy do a hotel payment for like thirteen or $1,400, which is pretty cool. So, I mean, that's a that's a pretty chunky payment for, for a Lightning Network, isn't it? I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and that's, that's part of what we're seeing with the professionalization, right? So people running bigger nodes, uh, more volume and things like that. It does clear the road a little bit and you know make, make you know make make more lanes for the rest of us when we do need to, to to make larger amounts so that trend is definitely uh up and to the right as well yeah that's very cool and what are your thoughts on custodial versus non-custodial i mean when i was looking for wallets um i ended up uh downloading blink which i think you know it worked as advertised it's it's popular in el salvador it was great but um, you know, when, when you sign up and you send your bitcoin over and you know you didn't put in a seed and your or you, you didn't record your seed your um Kind of like okay, well, there's there goes my Bitcoin. I guess it doesn't matter if it's a couple of hundred dollars. You know, you don't really sweat it. But look, there's there's always going to be a uh, you know uh, our our job. I always feel is to make non-custodial as competitive and useful and fully featured as possible, right? Um, and this this is kind of the blockstream story. Like, look at Green, right? It's like how do we do a wallet where you can have something else sign off, and so you can have restrictions on what you can spend without giving over control of your funds, right? Um, and there are clever answers to this in a lot of times. You know, it's just the green light is exactly the same thing. How do you 
not have to have a home node and all those things that, that you know your phone interoperates with, um, but still keep can keep the control of your funds. Um, so you know, I, I think th and there and there will always be a spectrum of some extent, right? Um, so I you know and. Sometimes it's easy just to go full custodial, right? Cool. You just you just give me all the money and I'll sort it out, right? Um, that is kind of somewhat lazy, I think. Um, and the, for the rest of us, it's to try really. Our job is to try really hard to make sure that the full self custodial uh, experience is as competitive, if not more competitive. Um, you know, as you say, I think down the the low end that that's fine, right? Whatever. Um, you know, if 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 it's if it's petty cash, um, then I don't. You know, it, it's hard to get to where drop about. Um, but if if you, it's easy to slide into that option where you don't have realistically, you know, you need to have a PhD in computer science in order to operate your own node. That's not going to, you know, that's not open to most people, right? Whereas you want somebody to go, cool, I started with a custodial wallet, and but then you know the mount started to get up there, and I went, well, now it's time for me to take back control. Now that said, um, the, the non-custodial experiences are getting pretty good these days. Um, you know, but there, there's even there, there, there are compromises, right? If you use an LSP and you do a zero conf channel, you're generally, there's some trust involved in, you know, that early stage before the confirmation is involved, right? It's not absolute. And you know, there are definitely caveats around that, but that's a reasonably comfortable, you know, so there might be an hour where potentially, you know, you haven't actually got the funds yet. Um, I'm still waiting, um, but you know it's 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 at least limited. So there there is a spectrum of, of I think of, of custody and things like that. Um, but you know we're still kind of exploring it, and I think it's important to push as hard as possible to make sure that everyone can custody their own funds, and that's just fundamentally better for the Bitcoin ecosystem. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, people get excited about things. It, kind of, it reminds me of the ETF, right? Like the ETF is exciting because it makes number go up. But at the same time, it's, you know, it's antithetical to a lot of what Bitcoin is about, is that you're supposed to be able to, you know, you don't, you see splitting off the economic benefits of Bitcoin, like it's supposed to be the economic benefits that pull you into it. And you learn by doing and you take custody of your own funds, you take some responsibility. Um, and and uh, yeah, the, the ETF makes me kind of reminds me of that as well. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps the ETF will get hacked and people will learn a very hard lesson about, you know, not their keys, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, you <laughs> know, will people ever learn that lesson? I feel like that's... <laughs> I'm still waiting for my Mt. Gox money, right? So exactly. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, can, I cannot throw stones here. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Well, I mean, to be fair, back then it was a lot harder to get your hands on Bitcoin, right? So I think that's... Well, to be fair, I was literally trying to sell some at the time, right? So I just, it was like a forced hodl, right? So I can't complain too much about the like 800 bucks or whatever I did not get at the time. Uh, well, I still can. But eventually, in theory, right, I will... Uh, Probably, I will almost certainly come out ahead. Just for fun, what was the price you were looking to sell at then? Was it like like eight hundred or seven hundred or something, or was it way lower? It was even less, I think. It was, <laughs> it, was, it was, you know, it was a handful of hundred. It was like, you know, it was a couple of Bitcoin, whatever. Um, now I'll get a well, small fraction of that back in Bitcoin, uh, ideally, presumably, hopefully, eventually. Uh, but you know, uh, obviously, economically, like that was a great forced hodl. Um, you'll get some BCH too, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yeah, uh, you know, um, I got. That's right. Well, hey, how about just round up the Bitcoin? You can keep the BCH. That's fine. You can sleep easy knowing that somewhere out there, there's uh, auditors and accountants and lawyers that are, you know, enjoying a yacht. That's right. From the proceeds <laughs> of this, but but you know, I, as, as I said, I, I was literally trying to sell it. I cannot complain too much about 
you know, uh, the, you know, all, all the things that happened along the way, it was, it's, you know, but yeah, look, I think those of us who've been in the industry a while have a healthy skepticism towards any custodian, but obviously the custodians themselves, it is so much in their interest to present themselves as this polished, you know, uh, not like a cardboard fronted prop town, which falls over in the first breeze, which in practice tends to be the way it works, right? And you see this enough and you go, and every every time, right? It's like, oh yeah, no, but the new ones, the new generation, they're so much more sophisticated than the old ones and everything else. And then something happens, you discover, actually, no, they were, they were just making it up too. Their security was one guy with a hard drive who, you know, fell under a bus and now all the Bitcoin are gone or he fled to India, whatever it was, right? So, you know, we... You see this movie enough, and you go, no, no, I don't believe that the new ones are the fully professional. These these people are not going to steal your money, um, or steal or lose, right? Or send it to someone else who gambles it away, or all you know, uh, it's it's basically the same movie, slight variants. So perhaps eventually people will understand that custodians are a risk, and they are a a significant risk. They're risk for you specifically, and they're risk in general. Um, but you know, we are. Uh, it, it's, it's, we're not there because when you can just print money to save things, right? Um, your money isn't really at risk, right? Your bank goes under, that's okay. The government will have at some point bail it out. There's guarantees, right? When you're dealing with hard assets, this is not a lesson that, that many people have had experience with, unless you've gone through the Bitcoin thing. Um, and that's probably going to be something that's going to take time to learn before people adjust to go if you really care you have to hold it yourself i mean really decades because it's part of the bitcoin adoption curve right is every every cycle we pull in new people and then they make you know the same mistakes it feels like they make old mistakes yeah absolutely yeah. look and and to be fair right the bitcoin journey i mean i always said to people you know wake me when bitcoin's 25 and i'll tell you whether it's a success or not and even that may be a bit soon because you know when you've got a project changing something as fundamental as money right uh, which touches everyone and is is poorly understood but ubiquitous right that's actually a massive social change just by itself it's mean nothing else changes right um you know and and most of us only trust things that have been around you know you, you don't want to be the first on the boat right you want kind of it to be pretty seaworthy and have you know been around for a long time uh, and that just takes time right people you know uh, it's going to take a generation before you really get um people to be completely comfortable with something. And I expect the same thing with Bitcoin. We're going to learn all these lessons and, you know, um, it's just, yeah, again, you know, it, it's a long journey. Low time preference. <laughs> Definitely. All right. So we're, you know, it looks like price is getting exciting again in Bitcoin. We're touching up around $40,000. It feels kind of like, you know, maybe like 2020 or 2016, 20, early 2017 kind of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, main chain fees are starting to go up again. So what does Lightning need to do to adapt to that kind of situation? There are a couple of things that, that we did. One thing that the last fee spike we had really pushed is this idea of um, using anchor channels. So um, it used to be in Lightning, you had to, you know, we both agree on this transaction. And instead of going on chain, we're just holding it in case we need it. Um, but we had to decide what fees to do on that. So we kind of, you know... What are fees going to be in a month or whenever I'm going to need this transaction? You took a number, you doubled it kind of thing, you know, and you hoped it was enough. Um, that's bad because you're over committing on fees. And as you know, when fees were de minimis, that was fine. But as they started going up, that starts to really hurt should you need to use it. So we switched this case where you can actually add fees afterwards. It makes the transaction slightly bigger, but you can bring your own fees later. Um, 
but that work wasn't complete because you still have to have some fees because your transaction itself has to get in the mempool. So things get wild enough, then a transaction that doesn't even pay enough won't even get a look in. So although the child that attached to it, it will, will cover the fee, the way Bitcoin works at the moment, you see the first one, it goes, no, I'm not going to even, it's, you know, sorry, you're, you're, you're not even going to be in the first however many megabytes, 300 megabytes of transactions, whatever it is, I'm just going to drop you. And then it sees the second one is, well, I don't even know what this is, right? So there's a thing called package relay uh, that's, that's being worked on in Bitcoin Core, where you basically send them along as a package, and then you can assess them, go, oh, well, add it together, this one and the child that it depends on, um, or that, 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 that pays the fees for it, together, that's definitely worth me, you know, pushing through. This, you know, basically, it also means that in our original thing, we can just, we pay zero fees, basically. It all goes in the child, right? So that is um, a Bitcoin a Bitcoin thing that will help us be much more dynamic with our fees. If, if you need to use your emergency transaction, right, that you're holding because the peer did something bad or they went away or whatever else, then right, now you, now you kind of, now you can decide how much is worth to you to close the channel now. Um, that's one thing. Um, the other thing is implementations are just getting smarter with trying to avoid forced closes, right? Uh, it used to be in the early days, if the peer did anything wrong at all, your solution was go on chain. You're like, I don't know what they said, go on chain, right? Uh, I think roast beef was said, you know, the other side makes a bad joke, you're like, right, I'm going on chain, right? Uh, because it was cheap, right? As that, you know, that pressure obviously mounts, now we're a lot more tolerant. We kind of give you, give you a few goes, right? To try to get things right. Um, before, before we'll go on chain. Um, and, you know, obviously a lot more fee management kind of go, well, is this urgent or not? Now we look at HGLCs timed out, what are they worth? Uh, at least in Core Lightning, we'll look at it and we'll go, huh, okay, so I've got like a 500 set HTLC. Is it really worth me going on chain for this? We currently do uh, by policy, but when we do, we start going, you know, okay, so if I get it in six blocks, I've got this much at risk. If we get it in 12 blocks, I've got this much at risk. How, what are the fees? How much am I prepared to pay? It's not worth me pushing it into six blocks because that's not, you know, I'm, there's not that much funds at risk. So, so getting much more sophisticated about channel management is about closing is important, but also opening, right? Um, using a single transaction, we've, we've long supported the idea of a multi-fund channel where you basically go open all these together and it produces one transaction. With the dual funding, talking about experimental features, um, the protocol explicitly written so that you could be negotiating with multiple independent parties to produce this giant transaction that does everything at once. Uh, it could be opens, it could be closes, it could be all these things. Um, and the other thing is, of course, splicing, where you can basically change a channel on the fly. Rather than have to open a second channel or close this one and open this one, um, you can go, actually, let's renegotiate this funding transaction. I want to put some funds in. And the other side goes, cool. Well, I want to take some funds out or I want to put some more funds in. Again, you negotiate between the two of you this new transaction. You put it on chain. And this happens while everything's still flowing through. So there's no stopping, waiting for confirmations and things. You keep using the old channel until the new channel basically gets confirmed and then you, you sub in atomically. So, you know, this is just engineering work and, and, uh, and, and spec work that you know, was always going to come, but becomes more interesting when you're really trying to optimize for on-chain fees. So we talked from the user perspective, you know, the benefits of, of Greenlight. If you're a Muppet like myself, you, you want it to be, uh, <laughs> you don't want to write, you, you don't want to write a lightning node, but you want to have, you don't want it to be custodial either. And you want to be able to use lightning in your, when you're in El Salvador bank, you know, when there's an option to buy face cream from, um, a, a beauty pageant contestant. 
Um, so what other, in what other situations is green light important and what are the main use cases? Green light is, you know, I mean, anyway, anywhere you'd want a lightning node, right? Green light uh, fits right in there. Um, it's much more programmatic. So for example, people who want to have a, have a product like, um, you know, maybe they have a game or something like that. They want to have people access to real sats, then um, they can basically give out green light nodes uh, effectively to their users, right? Uh, now there's, our original certificate, I think we allow you to like a thousand nodes before you have to come talk to us and we'll figure out what pricing is. But, you know, um, for the moment in this phase, we're just kind of trying to encourage adoption and, 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 and you know, and for us as Core Lightning developers, it gives us a great insight to how people actually use Core Lightning and, you know, rough features and things that we, we, should, we need to work on. So we get some really good feedback um, from just, just having the usage, right? So, um, at this point, we're, we're fairly fast and loose. But anyone who, who basically wants lightning nodes, or importantly, wants, you know, say you've got a game or something, rather than having an in-game currency, you go, we're just going to use sats. And, you know, we don't want to custody people's funds. So we'll have the app just talk to Greenlight, right? And it'll be your node running on your app. Um, and that's kind of cool because, you know, it's lightning, so you can just transfer it. You know, if you've got some in-game currency in this game, you've got a lightning wallet over here, it's the same thing. Right, you can just transfer. One of the underappreciated things about Greenlight is because it's a node by itself, you could have lots of different front ends accessing it. So you could, you know, have RTL, you could have a game, you could have everything else, sharing the same node using exactly the same front end, uh, sorry, exactly the same back end, doing all that control. So um, there are some really cool ways to use Greenlight that we're starting to see people experiment with. Is there, is there much traction there? I mean, that's a whole investment vertical from the last cycle, right? GameFi. And I think the model is typically like they issue some other token that may go up 100 times, but may also go to zero at any given moment. It seems like, you know, just using Bitcoin and Lightning is such a no-brainer. Is, is there much um, traction being made there? It depends if you're trying to make a game, you're trying to make a currency, right? Uh, if you're trying to make a currency, then you want your own whatever. Um, but the other thing here is, uh, is uh, there's... Uh, and this is something where, where regulation makes sense, right? Um, there's a big difference between being custodial of people's funds and them being custodial of their funds, right? From both an ethical uh, and regulatory perspective, if 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 you're if 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 you are not the custodian of the funds and you go away or whatever rug pull or you go bankrupt, right? You're a startup, whatever. Um, they've still got their funds, right? Um, and that's just what, a much nicer world to live in. Uh, but also from a regulatory point of view, you're, if you're deal, starting to deal with customer funds and things like that, well, now you have some questions. Um, so the green light model makes perfect sense for that. Oh, that can, that's great. That makes a ton of sense. Um, and then going back to the wallet issue, outside of green, what are some kind of wallet recommendations that you have for anybody um, on their way to El Salvador or something like that? Yeah. So my longtime favorite wallet has been Phoenix. Um, by uh, the async team. Um, they have been involved in Lightning since the, the original Milan 2018 spec days. Um, so they've been very active in uh, spec developments, particularly from a wallet point of view um, and doing a lot of those those things. Um, so uh, that, that's, I've still got that on my phone. It's still my, it was, you know, for a long time, that was my go-to Lightning wallet. It is, you know, non-custodial, has always been non-custodial, um, very well thought out. Very nice design, um, and and really does some, do some great things behind the scenes. Um, they've just added splicing, um, based on the splicing work that was pioneered in Core Lightning. Um, annoyingly, they kind of beat us to deployment, um, but you know, uh, it, it's it's great to have you know a second set of eyes and everything else on that. So, 
Uh, they they because f for them, I mean, you know, basically they're setting up channels speculatively with users uh, based on incoming, and rather than having to set up multiple channels and then at some point they have to close them all, being able to splice funds in and splice funds out on demand makes their service a lot more flexible. So for them, it was it was definitely a nice to have, and it's based on the the splicing um, spec improvements that are an experimental feature in core lightning. So. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. I love I love their work, um, and it's a they're a really good team. Very cool. So with with Green um, now implementing Lightning in the wallet, so I guess we've got both major layer twos now, right? We've got Liquid and Lightning. What yep. are the what are the benefits of that, and what are maybe some other wallets, if any, that are that have done that? So as far as I know, they're the first significant wallet that's done both, um, which I think is great because it gives users a huge amount of choice as to what they can do. Um, you know, and I think that actually opens a really some really interesting opportunities that you know I'm not gonna, um, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to like pre-announce or anything here. It just I, I there's there's a pile of things that you can do on Liquid that are interesting uh, that that users want to do. Um, you know, the the obvious being so access to stable coins and things like that is it's kind of an obvious Liquid feature. Uh, but there's also yeah the privacy things. So um, you know, uh, Liquid is very careful with um you know with amounts and privacy and things like that that i think are quite interesting um and could be used uh you know could be leveraged in the lightning context so you know um expect to see more stuff in that intersection i would say coming up okay very cool you just touched on splicing and earlier we talked about some of these experimental features that you can flip on and off um can you quickly explain what splicing and dual funding are dual funding is the idea uh, well, it's kind of an obvious idea that you you only realize if you're kind of deep in the weeds. Originally, when Lightning, the first Lightning spec, the 1.0 spec came out, um, when you create a channel, one side put the funds in. So I went, hi, Jesse, I want to open a channel with you, and I'm putting these funds in. You went, okay, cool, I'll wait for those to appear on chain, and we'll go. Um, the more sophisticated way is to say, hey, I'm going to put these funds in. You go, well, actually, I'll put some funds in too, right? So we kind of negotiate. And I go, okay, well, then I'm going to have this change output. And so rather than me just going, the transaction is going to appear. Don't worry about it. Here's the TX ID. Um, we would actually negotiate it together and go, cool. Because um, it's an opportunity. I mean, it's, it's slightly cheaper sometimes to do that way. Um, uh, but also, you know, it, it does allow us to have both sides put funds in initially to a channel if they want to. And it opens the thing for liquidity ads, which is where basically go, cool, I will, you know, in return for, for money, I will fund your channel, right? Uh, it's an open spec. So nodes advertise their, their liquidity and they, and you can connect to them and go, cool, I want to take you up on that, um, on your offer. Great. Uh, I'll put this many stats in, therefore you'll put in whatever, you know, your agreement is, right? So it's an open marketplace for, for liquidity, which I think is really important. Um, and uh, in, in the Lightning ecosystem. So, uh, so that's dual funding. Now, splicing is kind of similar. If you and I already have a channel and go, hey, we want to change the channel. We want to like put more funds in. We want to take funds out. Um, you know, that makes sense if you have like, if you think about um, Lightning as kind of a hot wallet um, and, you know, or your petty cash. But at some point it builds up, right? You know, huh, I've got a lot of funds in this channel. I don't really need them. I would like to push some of this, that out to cold storage. Right at the moment, the way you have to do it is you close the channel, <laughs> reopen a new channel, uh, like close channel, spend some of it out to your cold storage, and then reopen a new channel. Um, well, that's that's kind of silly. Why well, Hey, you know, our, our nodes can talk to each other. Like, cool. I want to. I've got this much funds in the channel. Like, it's half mine. I want to take like half of that, send it out to this address. There's going to be a new transaction. 
And then it gives you the opportunity to go, okay, well, if you're reducing yours, I'll reduce mine. Or like, I, or, no, I, this is really useful for me. I'm going to top the channel up, uh, whatever it is. Again, we negotiate what the transaction looks like. It goes on chain. Um, and the channel stays active the whole time. But once the full one's confirmed, you can use the new channel. So technically, you can use the minimum of the two balances, right? You go, well, if you're taking stuff out, I'm not going to let you start spending it now because I know it's coming, right? So you basically take the minimum. Um, and once it's locked in, you can go, great. We've, we, we forget the old one. We're on the new rules now. You've got this much funds available. So, um, and of course, the, another twist is the zero comp where basically you effectively trust the other other guy to like get it right. And you go, cool. Uh, it's it's in, in core lightning you have to whitelist peers for this uh we won't let them do it by default well no we're gonna wait for at least one confirm but um you know you can do it instantly if you're prepared to have a little bit of trust in there that it's coming at some point and what can users expect for this upcoming uh upcoming version 23.11 right 23.11 of course for the november release um we're up to rc3 uh it should, we'll, you know we've got we've got like eight days it should be it should be fine we'll, we'll make it uh um, so one of the things is that Wombo is on by default. So, so large channels have just been enabled by default. That's really nice. Um, there's been some CLN REST improvements. There's been like improvements across the board uh, that we're pretty happy with. Um, one of the cool things that happened this release is that we finally completely got rid of the old developer builds. Um, we used to have, you could turn developer on when you built it and you get a developer version. Uh, now everything's a developer version. You have to specify the developer option and then you get access to all the developer things uh now that can really break your note uh they're designed for testing so don't do it but you know um it's just it's a nice thing we finally finally got that it just makes it a lot easier for us there's a single single build and that's that's everything um there's um there's some new uh, uh some new weight apis we've been working our way through this weight api where you can basically wait for events that previously you would have to poll for you say okay okay list list all the transactions okay right i'm gonna keep polling until something happens now there's a generic wait api you can say wait for this thing uh you can wait for things that have changed things that have been added or things have been deleted um and just you know it makes it for more efficient particularly when we're talking about really large nodes um so there's a whole infrastructure that's kind of we're working our way through different subsystems that goes a little bit more that goes in every release that's that's improved um and there's just generally um some pretty nice uh, across the board improvements that that I think people will like. Um, and you know, it, every three months. So there are some things that didn't make it in this release that will definitely be in next release. So uh, we're looking forward to those as well. Where should people that want to contribute to Core Lightning, where should they go for more information? And, and what are maybe some of the things that, the, that you guys need help with? Right. So there's the Build on a Layer 2 site, and there's also our GitHub site. Um, uh, and we have, you know, as I said previously, we have biweekly meetings if that's time zone compatible for you. Uh, they're, they're advertised on the Build It Layer 2 Core Lightning site. Um, and we talk about, you know, what's coming up. And, you know, people just turn up and talk about things they're working on, things they're interested, interested in. Uh, and that's really useful. Um, if you're a developer, then the GitHub site is a pretty good place to look for issues and, and ask questions. Uh, we have a Discord as well where you can, you know, turn up on the dev channel or any of the channels and ask, you know, there are no foolish questions. Um, just ask uh, and someone will surely help you. I noticed you've used sats a couple times in the conversation today. Where do you stand in the uh, the debate of bits versus sats? All sats. There's no point. You know, I mean, you know, I, I've been through enough price changes now that like, you know, sats, sats is the standard. Um, technically, um, 
the the unit of account for light the light network is millisats, like a thousandth of a sat, um, you know, which is a little bit ambitious because that's going to be a while before that's any significant amount of money. But technically, you know, we go down to that. It makes sense when free fees are a percentage, right? So if you're sending one sat, if if that's your basis, how do you how how do you account for that? Now, obviously, when we settle on chain, eventually uh, it gets rounded, so the miners get the the tiny tiny fraction of a sat that's left over. Um, but that, that's how nodes account for each other. We talk, in, we talk in millisats between ourselves. So obviously that puts me on a sat standard. Okay, got it. And maybe to wrap things up, looking forward the next 12 or 18 months, what, what excites you the most about the, the world of Lightning? Right, wow. Okay, so um, 12, 18 months, I think we will see a lot of really good improvements. There's some privacy improvements that we definitely want to come, uh, that are, that are in, in like early spec now. Um, we're seeing uh, like taproot channels. So, and kudos out here to Lightning Labs who've really pushed this idea of taproot channels quite hard. It's been something that we've wanted to do, but it hasn't reached the front of the queue where they've really been pushing the spec work on making that work. Um, it requires a new gossip system uh, because we need to talk about, you know, Currently, to, 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 to tell the network about a channel, you have to prove that you own it, and that's very much tied to the way channels work today. If you have a taproot channel and you want to prove you own it, we obviously need something different. So it's kind of opened up the debate on on how do we do gossip. At the moment, because you gossip a, um, a private... So one thing is private channels become a lot more private. At the moment, you can kind of tell a private channel. Once it's closed, you can see it's a two of two. Like, why would you do a two of two? You're almost certainly a lightning channel. Um, with taproot, that goes away. Uh, they just look like normal spends. So you become a lot less traceable. Now, obviously, if you're telling the network, oh, by the way, I have a channel, and here I'm proving I own the UTXO, then they know it's a Lightning channel. Um, but even there, there's some work, uh, some experimental work going on to basically uh, reduce the amount that you have to prove. Um, you'll have to prove that you own a UTXO potentially, but behind that, you can have a number of channels. So you don't have to expose all your UTXOs. Now, even if you're a public node, exposing your UTXOs turns out to be a bad idea because from knowing what your node, what, what coins your node owns, um, you can then derive a whole heap of other ancillary information, right? Like, oh, that looks like this one is also theirs and things like that. So it does leak more information than we wanted to originally. Uh, and that's one of the reasons to kind of wind that back. The other thing that's happening in privacy, of course, is the Bolt 12 work uh, that's, you know, slow, but uh, about getting there um, with onion messages and onion routing, which means that you can now, um, uh, have a blinded path, which means that you can pay somebody without knowing where they are on the network, uh, which is something we've wanted to do for a long time. So the way it works today is that um, you know where the, when you're paying someone, you know their node ID, you know basically where they are on the network, you've got to find them. They don't know who's paying them, but there's no receiver privacy. Um, that's a reasonable trade-off to start with, but Think of the case of refunds, right? Um, so I, I pay you for something that's fine and you don't necessarily know who I am. Great, I get all my privacy. But then you go, oh, sorry, it wasn't in stock. I want to refund it. At the moment, it's like, well, okay, well, here goes my, pri either I have to choose between my privacy or my money, right? Um, that's that's unfortunate. So it, even if just for that case, uh, you really want a way to go, cool, here is a blinded path. You can send funds through this and it will get to me, right? Um, but you, I don't need to tell you anything about what my node is. Oh, you're running one of the biggest nodes in the network. You must be Bitcoin rich, all that kind of stuff. You don't, you know, uh, you don't have to share that at all. Um, so blinded paths are a big privacy win. So, you know, 
these these things just kind of slowly improve the state of the network as a whole uh, and give us definitely more options for things we can do. Oh, that's very cool. Well, really appreciate the time today, Rusty, and uh, look forward to having you on more often in the future. Fantastic. Thank you, Jesse. You bet. Take care.